Welcome to TSX Quarterly, the podcast that brings you publicly available earnings calls from companies listed on the Toronto Stock Exchange in one convenient location. Gone are the days of looking through confusing websites. You'll find the important information right here. Enjoy the call. Hi, everyone. I am Martino, Vice President, Strategy and Investor Relations, and I'd like to welcome you to our Q1 2021 results webcast. On the call, I am joined by Sebastian, Mark, Joanna, and Patrick. Today's call will follow our usual format. We'll first present our results at a group level and then dive into by asset. We'll be as quick as possible to leave time for questions at the end. Before we start, please note our usual disclaimer. And now, I'll hand it over to our CEO, Sebastian, to walk you through our Q1 results. Sebastian? Thank you, Martino. I'm very excited to share our results for the quarter, as it shows the success of the transformation we have executed over the past year and resulted in a more resilient business. We are well positioned to deliver strong cash flow and organic growth, uh, while at the same time rewarding shareholders through our dividend and buyback programs. You can see a summary of our Q1 results here on slide six. We achieved a great outcome in our first quarter, both operationally and financially, and we are on track to meet guidance. Production more than doubled versus Q1 2020, due of course to our acquisitions and in particular the recent successful integration of the Teranga assets. Looking at our per share metrics, our operating cash flow per share is up nearly 50%, while the adjusted EPS is up 111%, consistent with our expectation that the transactions would be accredited to our shareholders, while also benefiting from the continued strong gold price environment. Strategically, we are focused on ensuring our shareholders realize strong returns. As such, we have paid out our first $60 million dividend in January and started during Q2 our buyback program, which will run over the year. On slide 7, you can see some of our key performance indicators for the quarter. We've continued to focus on our safety performance with our ultimate goal of zero arm. On production, we are solidly on track relative to our full year guidance, and we will see a full quarter uh, of production at Sabadora Masawa and Wanyon included in our results in Q2, and we anticipate our run rate to increase for the balance of the year. Uh, it's important to note that for Q1, it is only Uh, one month and a half out of three for the Teranga asset that is consolidated here. Similarly, all-in sustaining costs came in at the bottom half of our target range for the full year. Again, we expect to see the impact of a full quarter from the lower-cost Sabadola Masawa operation in Q2 and no further impact from the higher-cost Agbao operation that was sold in March. As such, we are confident in our progress towards our full-year target range of $850 to $900 per ounce. Safety, as I mentioned earlier, we continue to focus on improving our safety performance across the board. With several operations added into our platform, we are pleased with the strong safety culture at our newly acquired operation. You can see that our uh, LTI remains low. However, with four LTIs that we have suffered in the last 12 months, we always seek to improve and we continue to evaluate ways to move towards a zero on this metric. 
On slide nine, you can see our production and audience sustaining cost results for the past five quarters. The key to remember here is that we had what was truly an exceptional quarter from the Endeavor and former CMFO assets in Q4 last year, which returned to a more normalized output in Q1. The quarter also factored in the sale of Agbao and part of a quarter's production from Sabadola Masawa and Wanyong. We therefore expect improving consolidated production numbers in the upcoming quarters, as we will report a full quarter of operations across our assets. On the right side of the page, you can see that our consolidated production has increased by 175,000 ounces in Q1-21 versus Q1-20, while our production per share has increased by 23% year-over-year. On slide 10, I'd like to point out our portfolio's strong diversification across both assets and countries. This is a big shift compared to the portfolio we had 12 months ago. The pie chart shows the narrative, the relative contribution of our operations to our production versus the same quarter last year. We've gone from four operations in two countries, with two mines contributing two-thirds of our production, to now seven operations in three countries, with no single operation accounting for more than 25% of our production. This contributes significantly to reduction in our risk profile and helps to ensure that we can meet our guidance based on greater flexibility within the portfolio. Moving to slide 11, you can see how our all-in sustaining margin has trended over the last several quarters. As discussed previously, our production increased modestly with just over one and a half months of Sabadola Masawa and Wanyon included in Q1 and Agbao who was sold but we were ultimately in a weaker gold price environment during the first quarter, which impacted margin versus Q4. Nevertheless, on a year-over-year -year basis, our audience sustaining margin increased by $220 million from Q120 to the current quarter, while audience sustaining margin per share increased by 30%. On slide 12, you can see the trend of our operating cash flow, which increased by $137 million over the prior year quarter with operating cash flow per share before working capital increasing by 47% compared with last year. A lower gold price resulted in a relatively modest decrease in the quarter under review. Looking now at slide 13, you can see the steady improvement in the strength of our balance sheet from the completion of the major build of our ET mine in 2019 through to the end of 2020 when we reached a net cash position. As part of the Teranga acquisition, we took about $332 million in net debt uh, on the balance sheet. And despite this, at the end of March, we were still left with a very healthy balance sheet. Our goal is to quickly build a strong net cash position, which at current gold prices should happen over the next quarters. Having this strong balance sheet position with a net debt to EBITDA leverage ratio currently sitting below 2.2 times gives us the flexibility to focus on both shareholder returns and on investing to unlock our organic growth potential. One of the best features of our new portfolio is the ability to generate sufficient cash to pay dividends and do buybacks, while also being able to reinvest in the business to support organic growth projects and exploration. On the next slide, we highlight the strengths of some of those near-term development projects. The phase one expansion at Sabadola Masawa is well underway. 
Phase one will allow the plant to better handle the higher grade ore, which come from the newly added higher grade deposits on the Massawa property for a relatively modest investment of about $20 million in the back end of the plant. A DFS for phase two is underway for the Biox plant, which will focus on processing the significant quantity of high-grade refractory ore from Masawa uh, through a newly built Biox plant. Beyond Sabadola Masawa, we have the Fetecro and the Kalana projects, um, respectively in Côte d'Ivoire and in Mali, where we recently released the results of positive prefeasibility studies which showed both projects to have attractive operating metrics and attractive economic returns. We are focused on showing strong returns across the business and this package of growth project is a great example of how we intend to continue to build on our existing portfolio to deliver just that. Moving to slide 15, you can see the key target areas for our 2021 exploration budget of between 70 to 90 million dollars. Patrick and his team are expected to break a new record this year with over 600,000 meters of drilling. A large portion will be targeted at our most recently acquired assets, where we see significant opportunities to apply our proven exploration model to the newly acquired tenements. In addition, we will continue to allocate a meaningful portion of our exploration budget to greenfield exploration, where we have repeatedly created value through the drill bit. In Q1, $16 million was spent at the newly acquired asset, as well as at Hyundai and ET, where a series of new targets are being delineated. In addition, about $4 million was spent on greenfield and development projects. We anticipate activity will continue to ramp up in Q2 ahead of the rainy season before slowing down again during Q3. I am truly excited to see all of the organic opportunities that will play out over the course of the year. Moving now on to section two, I will now hand things over to Joanna, uh, who will take you through the financial results in detail. Joanna? Thanks, Sebastian. On slide 17, we show a breakdown of our all-in sustaining margin on a nominal and a per ounce basis. Because of the substantial changes within our portfolio of assets, this tells a more interesting story than on a nominal basis alone. At a group level, we had a strong improvement in our all-in sustaining margin, which was up $150 per ounce. For reference, on this page, we inserted variance explanations for key line items. But overall, the margin was helped by a stronger gold price, lower cash cost per ounce, and lower sustaining capital. Moving to slide 18, you can see a breakdown of our free cash flow, beginning with the all-in sustaining margin. As we talked about, the all-in sustaining margin has increased over Q1 2020 by a nominal $220 million to $330 million in Q1 of this year. Similarly, our all-in margin increased by $190 million. This in turn led to a total cash inflow of $154 million during the quarter. The main cash outflows during the quarter were an increase in our working capital, primarily from our acquired businesses, cash used in financing activities from our discontinued operations for the payment of dividends and taxes prior to the disposition, an increase in taxes paid due to the larger portfolio of operations, and increased spending on growth projects, primarily due to the acquisition of the FEDICRO license in the quarter. These were offset by cash inflows from financing activities related to the private placement, which was completed at the end of the quarter, as well as additional drawdowns on the financing. On slide 19, we have a waterfall chart which shows how our cash position has evolved during the quarter. Our operations generated around $198 million of net cash, while we spent approximately $105 million on our properties 
and paid $20 million to increase our ownership of Fedecro, while we also added $27 million in cash from the acquisition of Taranga. In the financing column, we received $200 million from the La Mancha, from La Mancha near the end of the quarter, as well as $47 million in net proceeds from the refinancing of long-term debt, offset by the $60 million dividends that we paid in Q1, as well as $50 million paid to settle Taranga's gold offtake liability. We ended the quarter with a net debt of only $162 million, despite absorbing approximately $332 million of net debt from Taranga which corresponds to a leverage ratio of below 0.2 times. At current gold prices, we expect to quickly return to a net cash position. Moving to slide 20, we have a detailed breakdown of our net earnings. I won't go through every line here, but we'll address a few of the most significant items. I do want to start from the bottom of the slide where you can see that we achieved 111% improvement in earnings per share from continuing operations compared to the prior year quarter. This is an important measure to consider, consider as we look at the success of our recent corporate transactions, which have clearly contributed to improvements on a per share basis. Perhaps the most significant single line item impacting our earnings at the corporate level was our increased current income tax expense. This is higher in Q1 2021, due primarily to the inclusion of the tax expenses from our newly acquired operations. Beyond that, we saw higher corporate costs resulting from our larger overall business as well as increased acquisition and restructuring costs related to the Tranga and Semifo acquisitions. Our corporate exploration expense also increased due to increased greenfield exploration activity, primarily on the newly acquired Tranga assets. I'll now hand things over to Mark, who will go through the details of our operations on a mind-by-mind -mind basis. Thank you. Thank you, Joanna, and hello to everyone on the call. I've just returned from visiting a number of our mines and will happily trade the 40-degree heat at Sabadala for the current English weather any day. Starting on slide 22, you can see our production bridge, which primarily shows the significant positive impact of the recently acquired operations, as well as organic improvements at Hyundai emitting. For Bungu in particular, the difference derives from the fact that the process was idle for a number of months in late 2019 and early 2020, compared to a full quarter of operating in quarter one this year. As you have heard, the last quarter results includes only a month and a half of performance from Sabadala Masala and Wanyon. Overall, our production has increased by 175,000 ounces compared to the prior year's quarter. Moving to slide 23, I will begin the review of our individual mining operations with Sabadala Masala, which is now our flagship asset. I was at the mine yesterday and can attest to the fact that the team have continued to make great progress on a number of fronts. Mining in the Sophia pits is continuing with another new PC3000 shovel commissioned during the quarter, so the digging fleet is in good shape. The haul road construction to enable us to mine the CZ and NZ ore bodies is progressing well, as are the renovations to the former barrack exploration camp, which is housing the mining crews for the Masawa pits. Moving to slide 24, you can see an overview of our phase one expansion plans. The first phase of upgrades to the processing plant are focused on debottlenecking the back end of the existing CIL to increase capacity to process the higher grade free milling masala ore. The civil works for the various work packages are all progressing well and are largely complete. The electro-winning cell has been installed and the elution column, acid wash column and regeneration kiln are all on site. Erection of steel work will commence in the coming weeks. 
These upgrades are anticipated to be completed in quarter four and have the potential to add production of up to 90,000 ounces per year by allowing the processing of higher grade ore without excessive loss of gold to tailings. On slide 25, you can see some pictures illustrating the phase one work in progress. Starting at the top left, the foundations for the electric carbon regeneration kiln and various transfer tanks are complete. Part of the steel structure has been pre-assembled in the background. On the top right, the crew is finalising preparations for the last concrete pour for the elution and acid wash column. In the bottom left, the kiln and the two columns are now on site. The last photo shows the leach tank bases with all concrete to be completed by next week. Enercon, who are undertaking both the civils and SMP work, are currently fabricating various components in readiness for the next phase of construction. On slide 26, you can see an indicative schematic of the proposed phase two expansion of the processing plant to incorporate a biox circuit to treat the refractory ore. Phase two includes refractory plant, tailings facilities, water management and power station upgrades. The DFS will incorporate several optimizations of the PFS completed by Charenga, including improved geometrical modeling to incorporate more information on sulfur and arsenic, which are key drivers of the biops process, and pit optimization to determine the appropriate split of ore feed between the two processing plants. Further processing optimization will be undertaken in the crushing, milling and flotation circuits. We anticipate completion of the DFS in quarter four this year. Moving now to slide 27, which outlines progress at the Hyundai mine in more detail. I was also at Hyundai last week and want to congratulate the team for their fantastic safety performance, which has passed 22 million man hours LTI free. Now that the asset has been in operation for more than three years, we can see the maturity in the team yielding great results. Our short and long-term planning has improved with experience and with increased mining flexibility through opening up the carry pit. Carry pump has been the big focus since mid last year, and the team is now looking ahead to carry west, where advanced grade control drilling is underway. There is a lot of enthusiasm at Hyundai, and this is all thanks to the strong operational performance and exploration success. Reviewing the past quarter, production decreased as expected as increased tons milled were offset by lower grade and recoveries as the higher grade offside material from carry pump was blended with an increased proportion of fresh ore from other pits. All sustaining costs increased in part due to lower production as well as expected increase in strip ratio at carry pump. In future quarters, we anticipate the completion of mining from the Bore pit and the current stage of the Vindaloo Centre pit. Carry pump will be the main production source until Carry West commences, while stripping is set to increase at Vindaloo, Maine. Grades are expected to increase in the latter part of the year due to the tenor of the ore zones being mined at Carry Pump. Turning now to ITI on slide 28. We're very happy with the performance of ITI, which achieved its best quarter of production to date. The team had many challenges last year due to COVID, which was compounded by the focus on the TSF raised construction and waste extraction. A work to open up additional mining areas during 2020 is now paying off, given the greater mining flexibility. Similar to Hyundai, the team at IDI is excited for the future, given both the operational improvements achieved and ongoing resources discoveries made. 
We are now gearing up to start mining La Plaque after the rainy season. Looking at the quarter, you can see that production has increased due to higher throughput, grades and recoveries, while all in sustaining costs decreased due to lower mining and processing unit costs. Quarter one was better than expected as higher grade and recovery oxide ore was brought forward and the mill outperformed. Going forward, plant feed is anticipated to continue to be sourced from multiple areas with Laplaque on track for quarter four. The team has been working on numerous initiatives to improve mill throughput with the high moisture content oxides and we look forward to seeing the benefit these will bring as the wet season gets underway. On slide 29, Bungu has now completed its second full quarter since the restart of mining operations in quarter three 2020. Looking at quarter one, performance was better than initially expected as higher grade ore extraction was brought forward. Production declined moderately over quarter four due to lower throughput and grades while recovery remained strong. All in sustaining costs increased due to higher unit sustaining costs and a higher strip ratio. Offset in part by lower mining unit costs and the commissioning of new contractor mining equipment. Plant feed is expected to continue from the west pit with waste stripping occurring at the east pit throughout the year. Throughput is expected to remain steady while recoveries will decline slightly. Mining will focus on waste extraction which will lead to a modest decline in process grade based on the location in the pit from where the ore is sourced with an improvement expected late in the year. Moving to slide 30 for MANA, I would like to thank the team for their hard work as they focus on optimising the asset. Out of all the mines we have recently acquired, given its long operating history, MANA is where we find the most optimisation levers. The main change being the decision not to pre proceed with the Wona North Stage 4 cutback and instead to mine the Wona South Stage 2 and 3 cutbacks while setting up Wona North for an underground operation as highlighted in our recently published reserves and annual information findings. We've promoted a number of West Africans to management positions and put in place a strong technical support team, which is starting to pay off with a renewed enthusiasm across the site. Looking at the quarter, you can see that as expected, production from men had decreased and all in sustaining costs increased moderately as a result of lower process grades from Wona South and slightly lower plant throughput coupled with higher open pit mining costs due to longer haul distances and higher underground unit mining costs due to increased dope backfill. Partially offset by lower processing costs due to lower power costs as some of the older gensets have been replaced. Overall, I am very happy with Manor's performance, which was better than budgeted in the first quarter, driven by better than planned mill throughput and grade. Looking ahead, tonnes processes are expected to decline moderately due to an increased proportion of fresh ore from Mona South, while the process grade is expected to increase in the latter part of the year due to higher underground stoke grades. Moving on to slide 31, we will be discussing the Wanyon mine for the first time. I was at the mine last week and impressed, impressed with the way in which the team is focused on some of the important development projects, including construction of the second cell for the TSF, new airstrip, completion of the Fakura resettlement program and commencement of mining at the Fakura satellite pits. In quarter one, Wanyon saw increased production compared with the previous quarter with increased grades and a moderate, modest decrease in throughput while recoveries were flat. 
Looking forward to the balance of 2021, we anticipate an increase in waste extraction, resulting in a higher strip ratio, though this will be offset somewhat as it will provide access to higher grade oxide ore from the Fakura and Nogbele South pits in the latter portion of the year. Plant throughput and recoveries are anticipated to decrease marginally during the wet season. And finally, to, on slide 32, let me discuss our Karma mine. Karma saw lower production in quarter four relative to prior quarters, as the stack grade and recoveries declined with most of the ore for the quarter sourced from the GG1 pit. In addition, there was an increase in gold in circuit on account of the longer than normal leach time of the GG1 ore. Decreased production was partially offset by increased tonne stacked with good overall performance from the agglomerator and stacking system. All in sustaining costs increased due to higher royalties, but was partially offset by lower mining, processing and GNA unit costs, driven by lower production drilling, blasting, rehandling and reagent costs. Looking ahead, the strip ratio is expected to increase in coming quarters, while production is expected to increase in the second half of the year due to higher grades and recoveries at Kaunor. As you can see, performance across our operations has been strong in quarter one, and all mines are on track to achieve their production and all in sustaining cost guidance for 2021. This is testament to the overall quality of our portfolio and the capabilities and great work of our operating team. And with that, I'll hand back to Sebastian to close out the presentation. Thank you, Mark and Joanna, for your uh, overviews. Um, on slide 34, we have a summary outlining our key priorities for the year. They are based on our guiding framework to continue building a resilient business that is a trusted partner and reward shareholders properly. We are pleased to be executing against uh, each of these priorities and will work hard to continue doing so in the coming months and years. We believe that a resilient business needs to first be underpinned by a high quality portfolio, which after five years of hard work we now have. Our priority is now to generate stable cash flows while advancing our organic growth and exploration efforts. Having a high-quality portfolio of mines which are profitable and boast long mine lives allows us to better plan for the future. This is a key element of being able to be a trusted partner. Having confidence in knowing that we will have a presence in our communities and host countries for many years to come means that we can invest in building our long-term partnerships with employees, communities and governments. We will be hosting a teaching later this month where we look forward to sharing the mini ESG initiatives going across uh, our business. And finally, having a high quality portfolio with a strong balance sheet underpinned by a social license to operate means that we can reward our shareholders across cycles. It took us five years to get to this stage and we are now proud to have recently initiated our dividend payments. For me, this marked the full turnaround of our business in recent weeks, given the confidence that we have in our business and our cash flow, we started to supplement our dividend with buybacks. We also believe that our shareholders will be rewarded once we complete the process to obtain a premium listing on the LSE. This is expected to drive incremental demand for our shares and therefore be a strong catalyst. As such, we are pleased with the progress made and we remain on track to list on the LSE in mid-June. And finally, to conclude on slide 36, you can see the key upcoming catalysts. In the near term, we will host a capital markets teaching event to familiarize London-based investors and capital markets participants with our business ahead of our listing in mid-June. 
We also anticipate releasing an initial resource estimate on the FEMA project, which we recently acquired from Teronga. We will have an exploration update on Sabodola Masawa, and we also expect to provide a refreshed five-year exploration strategy as we reach the close of our first five-year exploration plan later this year. Finally, in the fourth quarter, we anticipate completing the Phase 1 expansion at Sabodala, as well as the DFS for Phase 2 and the DFS for Fedecro. So despite the transformation that I talked about at the beginning, we do not stand still. We took great strides in the last 12 months to reposition our business. Today, we can truly say we've built a resilient business. More importantly, we have a clear roadmap ahead of us to ensure our business remains robust and continues to deliver returns for our shareholders. With that, I'd like to thank you all for dialing in and open the line up for questions. Thank you. Ladies and gentlemen, we will now begin the question and answer session. As a reminder, if you wish to ask a question, please press star 1 on your telephone and wait for your name to be announced. Please stand by while we compile the Q&A queue. This will only take a few moments. If you wish to cancel your request, please press the hash key. Once again, please press star 1 if you wish to ask a question. The first question comes from the line of Ovais Habib from Scotiabank. Please go ahead. BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets and so much more download the app in virginia today and get 150 dollars in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at betmgm betmgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly see betmgm.com for terms 21 plus only virginia only new customer offer subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days please gamble responsibly gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER promotional offer not available in washington dc thanks operator uh congratulations sebastian and uh, endeavor team for a good quarter and uh thanks for taking my questions um just my first question um sebastian is on uh, the taranga assets that you've acquired uh, Sebastian, Endeavor now uh, has had these Tarang assets for about two months um, under the Endeavor uh, umbrella. Can you give us some color on how the integration is going with these assets, especially at Sabadala Masala? Sure. Good morning, Avais. Um, well, I would say that uh, you know, since uh, since the announcement of the transaction, uh, I've probably been now. Uh, uh, four times, I mean, to uh, to Masawa, uh, Sabadola Masawa. Uh, Mark, who's on the line, uh, just came back yesterday again uh, from Sabadola Masawa, looking at the progress in particular of the um, upgrades uh, to the CIL plant, the back end of the CIL plant, so the phase one of the Sabadola Masawa project. Uh, and I say, I can say that uh, you know we're extremely um, extremely pleased uh, with the uh, with the progress. Um, 
you know, we've been saying, uh, you know, since the closing that, uh, you know, the integration is going extremely smoothly uh, and, uh, and has progressed, you know, very, uh, uh, very, very well uh, because the culture of the two companies were uh, very similar at the uh, operating level. Um, so, uh, yeah, I mean, it's, uh, you know, very pleasing to, uh, to see those assets uh, well integrated into, uh, into our portfolio. Um, Mark, maybe you want to, uh, you know, based on your um, uh, your trip yesterday, uh, you have a comment? Yeah, sure. I, I guess one thing uh, also to mention, and this was something that we knew about um, right from the, the beginning, was the uh, incumbent general manager was going to finish this year. So that transition has literally just taken place, and um, and we're very confident that it'll be a smooth transition. Uh, we see lots of really good work done uh, by the Taranga team and lots of good opportunities still. Uh, I think it's a, a fantastic um, asset with a, a really, really strong team there. And um, and everything that I've seen just um, suggests that, you know, there's good opportunities for us to, to just sort of continue to take the asset forward. Yeah, thanks, Mark. I think it's uh, it's fair to say that uh, you know one of our strongest uh, GM, uh, uh, Christo uh, Viltrogen, who was at uh, Hyundai, uh, you know, just arrived at uh, at Sabadola Masawa. Uh, Christo has been doing an amazing job at uh, Agbao and then at Hyundai, and um, you know, having him now uh, at uh, at Sabadola Masawa will uh, you know even accelerate. I mean, the integration of the asset into. Uh, into our portfolio uh, and uh, and get you know the mindset you know to the uh, same standards uh, and and culture that we have in the rest of the organization. So uh, extremely uh, extremely pleased uh, you know by uh, by this integration progress. Thanks for the color, Sebastian and uh, Mark. Uh, my next question is is regarding your pipeline of projects. Now, Sebastian, you've got several projects that are in the feasibility stage and other projects that you're looking to advance as well. Um, are there any of these projects that you would consider divesting or maybe bringing in a JV partner to advance those assets uh, while you kind of advance Petrocrow and Kalana and those, those other assets as well? Well, you know, if you look at what we've done in the past, uh, you know, we, we have all the, all the options, you know, available. Uh, it's a question of, uh, you know, capital allocation for us. Uh, I think it's you know too early to say you know decisions that we will be taking for 2022, but uh, obviously we've got uh, you know three strong projects which are progressing well, uh, from PFS to DFS, with on one side the uh, Biox plant for uh, Sabadola Masawa, uh, Phase Two, uh, Fedecro uh, in uh, in, Bo in Côte d'Ivoire and uh, and Kalana in uh, in Mali. Um, clearly, we won't launch uh, you know three projects at the same time. Um, in 22, so we will make you know some uh, some decisions uh, once we see the numbers, and uh, and we'll focus on uh, you know the assets which are uh, the projects which are giving the best uh, the best returns for the company and for our shareholders. Thanks, Sebastian. And just one final question before I jump back in the queue: um, Are you noticing any inflationary pressures on your current operations or projects that you plan to advance into, into construction? So you know we we had this question I mean several times over the last uh, you know the last few months I would say probably since the beginning of the year um, I would say that on the um, on the on the core supplies um, we don't see yet uh, you know significant uh, or, or important inflation uh, partly due to the fact that uh, you know we are integrating progressively all the uh, 
acquired assets, uh, the semaphore ones and the Teranga ones, uh, into our supply chain, uh, which in fact gives us you know, even more bargaining power with our suppliers. Uh, so we've been able to, across the board, you know, either keep you know the same prices or even um, uh, reduce you know some of the prices on on core supplies. Um, we are still monitoring you know how things will evolve, uh, in particular on uh, you know steel prices and other you know for our projects. Uh, and uh, and if we feel at some point that there are risk of uh, you know seeing spike in prices, then uh, you know we might uh, you know accelerate or anticipate or lock in you know some uh, some prices for you know our key projects for the future. So uh, you know we remain extremely uh, you know flexible and uh, and reactive to ensure that uh, we continue to make the right uh, you know capital allocation choices and and protect you know our returns. Perfect, Sebastian. That's it for me. And uh, congrats again on a great quarter. Thank you very much, Luis. Next question comes from the line of Raj J from BMO Capital Markets. Please go ahead. Thank you, operator. Good afternoon, uh, Sebastian and team. Uh, just a couple of questions. First up on the uh, LSE listing. You've probably been asked this question a thousand times, but uh, you are now closer to the listing being done. So just wanted to get, a, if you have a sense of your more clarity on uh, whether the S&P TSX composite uh, inclusion is going to stay that way and the demand you expect from the, from the LSE listing with respect to different uh, indexing. And my second question is with respect to your two of the assets you bought through the SMFO acquisitions the last year, Amana and Bangu. If you can give us some visibility on the growth aspect, specifically Mana is uh, beyond C underground. Are you looking at Wana, Wana underground or any other growth options? And Bangu, what's, it, what's the explosion upside that you're looking at? Sure. Um, so maybe on the on the on the first question, which is uh, you know something which has uh, popped up a lot over the last uh, few days, and and I'll let Martino to to complement if uh, if required. But uh, um, first of all, what is clear is that uh, you know we got confirmation from uh, uh, SNP uh, that they will review. I mean the um, the index in September. So nothing's going to happen before September, uh, as uh, you know as we probably uh, said several times. Um, we are expecting to be listed sometimes in June on the LSE, and the same way we would be integrated into FTSE indices in September. Uh, our current view is that uh, we shouldn't uh, be taken out from the uh, S&P GDX indices, uh, and at the same time we should be integrated into the uh, FTSE indices uh, in uh, in September. So uh, that's you know our current views, uh, and I understand that uh, you know some investors have been worried about that. I can just confirm. You know, based on our exchange with uh, TSX and S&P, that um, you know they are not intending to review. I mean, those indices before September, and that based on the information we currently have, we do not expect you know some changes uh, as uh, as us in the indices. Martino, I don't know if you want to uh, to add something specific on on this. The the last thing to add would be that uh, we're a peculiar situation where we're not Canadian topical today. Uh, we are already a foreign entity in Canada being Cayman Topco. Uh, so we're moving from being foreign Cayman to foreign uh, UK. So from a Canadian perspective, uh, they're looking at it much more from a liquidity and, and where most of the, tra- the shares are being traded. And we expect that to remain on the TSX given we are not issuing equity in the UK. Okay, thanks, Martina. Um Second questions. I mean, if you may, if you if you may, just ask again the second question. I think it was around yeah, sure. Mana Growth. 
Yeah, yeah, sure, sir, Sebastian. So, yeah, uh, MANA, what's the growth opportunity beyond C Underground? Is one underground something you're looking, uh, you're going to look at? And also at Bongu, uh, any exploration upside you're seeing there? Yeah, sure. So on uh, on on Mana, I mean, it's a fair point. I mean, we we believe that there is a, um, a potentially a very interesting uh, one underground uh, potential uh, at uh, at Mana. Uh, in fact, we've been working on uh, on the PFS already, preliminary uh, pre-feasibility study for one underground, and we would expect, I mean, to move that forward uh, over the next uh, the next few months. So I wouldn't be surprised if uh, you know, as part of our you know, let's say Q3 in September. Uh, we are able to, uh, you know, to to disclose a bit more information of uh, around uh, around when are, when are underground. Um, seems that the economics are more attractive than, you know, continuing the um, the open pit side, uh, in particular on the north where grades are falling down and therefore costs are being, uh, you know, higher. Uh, so yeah, quite quite um, quite interested, you know, in seeing the uh, one underground opportunity to uh, to move forward. Um, in parallel, I mean, we are obviously uh, aggressively, you know, started exploration uh, around uh, around Mana, uh, and uh, I'll let uh, maybe Patrick comment a bit on uh, on this, uh, as well as uh, as Bungu, uh, which is important. I mean, there has been very limited exploration done in the past by Semaphore and Bungu. Uh, we started to um, you know to to put drilling uh, campaigns there, uh, and we will see that accelerating in uh, in Q2 and Q4. Patrick, I mean, do you want to give? Uh, Quick, quick feedback on on Mana and uh, and Bungu. Uh, yes. Uh, hi everybody. Uh, well, actually, uh, Mana has been the place where we have been the more aggressive in the first quarter. Actually, we have been drilling over 30,000 meters, which is quite a lot. Uh, basically, what we are doing, we are checking uh, a quite uh, a significant number of uh, small uh, uh, size uh, targets, but mostly uh, looking at oxide. Uh, we are developing a, a former uh, discovery named Maula, uh, which is uh, partly to the southeast, uh, southwest of the exploitation license and also extending into the exploration license. Uh, we are working also on uh, trying redoing the resource model on uh, uh, one to looking at uh, one underground stuff, and we are also uh, conducting uh, quite important exploration into a few uh, north area for open pit uh, possible target, or also uh, for a few underground uh, uh, possibility because we see some shoot uh, going uh, down in that depth. So that most of it for the first quarter on uh, on Mana uh, in Bongu. Uh, Due to uh, security, uh, uh, um, particularly in this area, we are concentrating for the time being uh, all around the mine. So we've been drilling in between the two pits, uh, between uh, West Pit and uh, uh, East Pit. Uh, we are waiting for some results. We are concentrating right now mostly in an area which is at the northwest, uh, which is called uh, uh, Natugu. Uh, Natugu uh, Northwest is just at the junction between an area called Bongu Underground and the West Pit. So we, that's where we are quite good results. So basically, we are working on a concentric way in Bongu, going uh, slowly by slowly a bit further out and organizing ourselves to start to go out of the fence zone. So basically, that's what I can. But uh, uh, as it was said previously, Mana and Bongu are one of the two 
are two main areas where we are going to concentrate this year because uh, on Bongu and Mana, we should have a higher budget that we had uh, this year on uh, either ET or Hunde, uh, which uh, looking at the possibility in Hunde and ET is quite significant effort for us, together with uh, Wanyon and Sabodala also, where we are going to increase the exploration budget. Thanks, Patrick. Thanks a lot, Patrick, and thanks, Sebastian. That's for me. Thank you. Next question comes from the line of Don DeMarco from National Bank. Please go ahead. Uh, thank you, operator. Uh, hi, Sebastian team. Okay, so strong operational quarter. You guys are pulling levers such as the dividend, the NCIB, the London listing. And, and there's talk of Endeavor being positioned to become the new Rangold. Yet Rangold traded at a premium, whereas we're seeing a valuation discrepancy between Endeavor and some other peers that have lower free cash flow and fewer development pipeline options. So my, my question is, what other levers do you have to increase your profile or, or close this valuation gap? Um, and, or, or is it just a matter of time? Um, be interested in your comments. Thank you. Yeah, thanks. I mean, I think that, uh, I mean, you're completely right. I think it's, um, you know, it's also a question of time. Uh, you know, if you take, uh, um, you know, Ram Gold with, uh, you know, with Mark Bristow uh, has been, you know, on the LSE, you know, for 15 years and has been building, you know, his reputation and uh, and this multiple, you know, um, over years. Uh, and it took, you know, some years, I mean, to get where he was. Um, if you take, you know, uh, even B2 Gold, who is having, you know, uh, sometimes a better multiple than we have, and same thing. I think that, uh, you know, Clive has been around, you know, for a while, and the success of uh, BIMA and B2 over the last, uh, you know, 10, 15 years, again, uh, you know, it takes time to, to create, I would say, that visibility and credibility. Uh, and I think we are exactly on that verge. Uh, you know, we've just completed this, uh, you know, five-year turnaround plan. Uh, we are not getting now getting you know strong cash flow, uh, being able to pull out you know all the levers that uh, other more mature companies have been doing over the past uh, the past years you know with dividends buyback and much more visibility uh, with the London listing, uh, while our peers had already either London listing or New York listing. So I think that uh, you know we we now you know will be in a position you know from uh, you know from June and, and September. To really compete at um, at same uh, you know at same level with uh, with all those peers that uh, you know tend to have uh, better uh, you know valuation than us, uh, which in fact makes us you know extremely attractive you know from an entry point uh, for investors, and um, and that's why I would expect you know this gap I mean to uh, you know very quickly uh, disappear and uh, and hopefully you know in the years to come uh, demonstrate that uh, yes we are the new Rangold. Okay. Great. Okay, so you mentioned the, the NCIB and so on, and, and I'm looking at your, uh, in terms of capital allocation, you paid out $60 million in dividends in Q1, and um, what I read, too, is that you uh, you bought back about $13 million Canadian, at least, worth uh, of shares in Q2. So on the NCIB, do you expect that pace to continue that we saw in Q2, in April, rather, um, or, or what are your thoughts going forward on that? You've been pretty active. I think that uh, you know you should see the NCIB uh, you know uh, getting uh, you know much more active you know going forward. Um, we were only active in fact a few days uh, you know over the last uh, uh, you know we started in April, and it was only a few days that uh, the NCIB you know kicked in, um, and uh, and therefore I would you know expect uh, uh, much more activity uh, you know from uh, you know from this quarter and uh, NQ3 on the uh, on the NCIB. Yeah. Okay, 
Great. And uh, maybe just finally, um, since the MDA noted higher grades at Sabadell and Masawa in the latter part of the year, Q1 grade was 2.53 grams per ton. So what kind of grades should we model in H2? How much higher would they be than uh, 2.53 grams per ton? Um, Martino or Mark, I mean, you want to give some color on, uh, on H2? Sure. Uh, so we expect grades to come up to about 2.8 uh, in Q3 and going above 3 grams in uh, in Q4. Okay. Thanks so much, guys. That's all for me. Thank you. Thank you. Next question comes from the line of Anita Somi. Please go ahead. Uh, good morning, uh, Sebastian and team. So, um, first off, I just want to comment. Thank you for uh, the disclosure that you guys put in your um, in your MDNA and financials. It's uh, it, it's pretty fulsome and it actually makes sense when I put it into my model. And I, I do find that uh, you know for the senior companies, if you do that, your your multiple, you get a premium multiple because it's not as much of a black box for investors. Uh, but secondly, my two questions, a uh, little bit more big picture since everybody's gone into the nitty gritty already. So. Um, from uh, firstly, could you give us a rundown of the countries you operate in, in terms of uh, an update on the, the political situation and then security as well? So, Senegal, Burkina Faso, Cote d'Ivoire. And then the second question, um, just in terms of M&A, obviously, you know, there's been a transaction in uh, in your part of the world, and your name along with B2 uh, comes up as maybe um, potentially interested. Um, um, and I, I was just wondering if you could give uh, sort of a, a comment, a reiteration on your prior view on M&A or uh, whatever you feel fit, and I'll leave it at that. Sure, no problem. Um, in terms of, uh, you know, countries where we operate, um, Senegal, I would say Senegal and Cote d'Ivoire are obviously um, uh, very stable, uh, you know, politically. Uh, you probably saw that there was... Uh, uh, sometime in in Q1, I think it was around March, uh, there was uh, two days of riots in the uh, in the capital city, uh, but that was uh, you know mainly uh, a political I would say uh, uh, issue where uh, uh, the youth were trying I mean to protect uh, a potential uh, candidate for the uh, next presidential election who was uh, charged uh, for uh, uh, I think uh, it was uh, rape uh, and therefore it created a bit of tensions. Uh, after 48 hours, I mean, it all cooled down. Uh, so uh, we received during that period a lot of calls because people, you know, thought it was, uh, you know, the country was going on fire. And I said, look, you know, uh, uh, do we have, uh, you know, um, investors calling, you know, Apple company or uh, uh, or, uh, or Tesla when there is, uh, you know, riot in um, um, in Chicago? Uh, and and the answer is no. So yes, it happens that sometimes, you know, you have this type of events, uh, but uh, I would say that Senegal and Côte d'Ivoire are extremely, uh, you know, stable. Um, in the case of Côte d'Ivoire, in particular, since the um, re-election of President Ouattara, uh, which is always, you know, good when you have, uh, you know, a strong, I would say, liberal president, which has been successful so far. Uh, Côte d'Ivoire had, uh, you know, between uh, 7 to 9 percent GDP growth over the last, uh, you know, five, six years. Uh, it's one of the fastest growing country in, uh, in Africa and, uh, you know, having uh, the same president running the country for another five years, I think is going to be, uh, you know, very good in terms of, uh, of stability. Uh, Burkina, I mean, obviously, we, uh, we are the largest gold producer also in, in Burkina. It's a key country for us. Um, a bit more tricky, I mean, on a security standpoint, uh, with, uh, you know, uh, regular attacks uh, in one particular area of the country, which is the... Uh, north part of the country, uh, at the three-border region, uh, three-border between uh, 
Mali, Burkina, and Côte d'Ivoire. Uh, but uh, you know, as you know, we uh, we've been operating in those countries uh, for years. Uh, we believe that uh, you know we have the right um, uh, relationship with the government to uh, you know and, and the right protocols with our security team to ensure we are able to protect the assets and, and the people. Hence the fact that we were comfortable at the time to uh, you know acquire Semafo uh, assets and in particular the Bungu assets that we successfully restarted uh, back in uh, in Q3 last year. So. Um, uh, I would say that from a security standpoint in Burkina, things are not improving, neither worsening. Um, there is a big push right now um, with the uh, Burkina Bay Army uh, being extremely active in the north uh, with the French. Uh, and, uh, you know, hopefully in the next few weeks we should see some, uh, some improvements on, on that front. Um, that's, I would say, the high-level, you know, picture on the, on the, three, uh, on the three countries. Um, in terms of um, in terms of M and A, uh, as you said, I mean we uh, you know we I think we've done our share of the job uh, in uh, uh, acquiring you know the uh, the right assets you know for uh, for our portfolio. Um, we need now to you know continue to integrate those assets successfully. Uh, we are on track. I mean to deliver the 100 million dollars of uh, annual synergies that we are expecting from those two acquisitions. Um, we now, you know, really focusing on organic growth. I mean, we've got amazing projects, you know, coming up with uh, phase one and two of Sabadola Masawa, and then with, uh, you know, Fedecro and Kalana. Uh, so we're really going to focus on that. And, uh, you know, never been interested in Hogs Gold, uh, you know, for example. Uh, it's funny to see, uh, I would say, uh, a Latin American silver company going into uh, right into uh, into Burkina. But, uh, you know, let's see. It's going to be uh, it's going to be interesting to watch. Um, and uh, you know, for other assets, you know, uh, unless you know Clive uh, Johnson wants to uh, you know sell Fecola, uh, which I don't think he intends to, uh, you know, we we don't have any particular uh, you know interest for uh, for external growth. Okay, I hadn't even thought about Clive selling Fecola, <laughs> but yeah. <laughs> so, anyway, and then just on the Tesla comment, I think uh, Elon Musk has his own problems this morning with the with the Bitcoin. Self-made, I think there. But thank you for answering my questions. No, thank you for your question and your time. Next question comes from the line of Mark Bentley from ShareShock. Please go ahead. Hello, Sebastian and team. I have three questions today, if I may. Um, the first one is: You paid forty-seven million dollars to settle a Taranga Gold offtake agreement. Is that a full and final settlement, or are there any further payments due under that agreement? It's um, full and final. Great. Thank you. Uh, second question. You currently have $700 million drawn on the corporate finance facility and $868 million of cash, which, which seems like an awful lot of cash. Uh, could you just explain the board's rationale for keeping so much cash whilst still heavily drawn on that facility? Sure. In fact, uh, we are in the process of the um, restructuring of the balance sheet. Um, as you might recall, I mean, we took up a lot of debt from the uh, Teranga acquisition. Uh, as part of that, we had a bridge financing, and uh, obviously the objective for us is to uh, replace uh, that bridge financing with more uh, long-term, I would say, facilities. The right time, we believe, I mean, to do it is, uh, you know, once uh, the listing is completed in London and once we have, uh, you know, proper rating in order to be able to... Uh, get the best, uh, the best instruments uh, in place for the restructuring of the balance sheet. In the meantime, I mean, in Q1, I mean, we repaid $100 million on the RCF, and uh, shortly after receiving 
at the end of Q1, the $200 million cash injection from La Mancha. Beginning of Q2, we uh, also repaid another $150 million that you don't see yet uh, on, the, on the RCF. Um, so, you know, our objective is, you know, to make sure that, uh, you know, by Q3 we have, uh, you know, a much cleaner balance sheet. Uh, fully agree with you. I mean, the objective is not to keep, you know, a huge amount of cash and continue to pay debt and interest on the other side. So, uh, you know, we, uh, we're really in that, in that process. Thanks, Sebastian. That's clear. And, and then my final question just concerns Bungu. Have there been any security incidents at Bungu over the last quarter, or has it all been uh, peaceful? I must say, uh, all peaceful, uh, you know, so far at Bungu. Um, obviously, there are, uh, there have been some incidents, but the closest one was probably around 120 kilometers away from uh, from Bungu. Uh, and, uh, and nothing to report on, uh, you know, on, uh, on, on Bungu on the mine itself. Uh, I think that the cooperation also with, uh, with the government uh, and the uh, unit uh, which has been allocated, I mean, to protect the mine site and also the uh, uh, transport um, uh, roads, uh, you know, is becoming more and more effective. Uh, it's ramping up progressively, uh, so we're getting more and more confident. And, and as you know, you know, the um, first decision we took is uh, not to have any uh, employee uh, on the road uh, between the capital city and uh, and the mine site. Uh, so all our staff, you know, are flying in and out. Uh, so uh, yeah, so far, I mean, we obviously it's a, a day-to-day evolving, you know, environment, and we are monitoring that, uh, you know, very closely. But uh, but so far, happy with uh, you know what has been put in place. Good. So if I understand correctly, uh, as the situation improves, you're hoping to broaden your exploration activities beyond the mine site, is that correct? Yeah, that's exactly correct. Good. Thank you very much, Sebastian. Thank you for your time. There are no more more questions at this time. Please continue. As there are no more questions, we'll finish the call. I will, of course, remain available to address any additional questions offline. Have a good day and stay safe, everyone. Thank you for listening to TSX Quarterly. If you enjoyed the cast, remember to leave a good rating. And remember, for any additional inquiries, please consult the company's investor relations section on their website. See you next time.